You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. So Carlos Rodan was talking to the Sun-Times. Carlos Rodan, who, who got himself hurt again here? Got himself hurt again. He's only going to be out for a couple of weeks. I, I, I don't want to hear anybody saying that's why we don't sign him to a long-term deal because he's injured. Give me a break. He, he's he's good. No, I I, I mean, he, he's really good, but it, he's one of those guys, too, that it's it's interesting that he pops up talking as soon as his arm goes <laughs> out on him. Exactly. So so he gets asked some questions like why the, the, you know, the Sox non-tendering him. And he's and his his quote here, and the article is written by Steve Greenberg, and he was asked about being non-tendered by the White Sox, and he says, "I don't want to come off as a bleep towards the White Sox, but I'll say this: when I got non-tendered, I wasn't hurt, but I took it as a slap in the face, and maybe I deserved it. It was a business decision. It's business, nothing personal. It's a movie quote, as we know, and it's true. Now, here's the thing, though, that I I take from the article as I was flipping through it." And it's when he gets asked about what it's like being with the Yankees. And this is the slap because he follows it up saying, I'm not trying to hit on the White Sox because he knows what he just said. All right. And every White Sox fan is going to hear it the moment I give the quote. Yes. Here it is. Look, I came to the Yankees because I wanted to win. And I'm ecstatic that I'm a Yankee and I'm going to get a chance to pitch in multiple postseason runs for the rest of my career. They're invested in their players. They invest in their facilities, their staff, everything. Baseball is at the forefront for them. Winning is at the forefront. Like, they care about it. And then he goes, but I'm not trying to hate on the White Sox. He wants you to know that isn't what the White Sox are in his mind. That's the quote. That's what I take from that. I don't don't hate on that quote at all because (laughs) I think that's pretty evident in, in just watching how the two franchises operate. I think we've said that a thousand times on this show. So, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Add him to the so, big pile that goes up against this front office and this owner. Just throw it on top of the big pile of evidence against them. Another player, a good player, a player that a, a, a world-class franchise paid a ton of money to come and play for them. Who, when you non-tendered him, he went off and pitched his brains out and earned that contract Sitting there saying, "Hey, I don't know if winning's at the forefront with uh, with them as much as it is with the Yankees." That is, it is. I read his quote, but that's what he's saying. Baseball is at the forefront for them, compared to who? The White Sox? You don't say. You, they're not concerned no. about winning. No. What? <laughs> the owner isn't no. more excited about his philanthropy than the wins and the losses. You, you're kidding no. me. No. <laughs> what? No. But Carlos Rodon, throw him and his criticism right on the pile there. It's odd. Just add it to the list with the David Sampson quote. <laughs> I'm coming in second place. Like, all oh, this, just throw it right on top. Carlos is added to the list. Uh, yeah. This Sunday, March 12th, the Southside Irish Parade up Western Avenue. We will be in the epicenter of it at Cork and Cary, 106th and Western. It's going to be a great time. Ed, myself, Going to be there. All kinds of swag. Going to be there. We'll raise a pint. You should be there. Get out and join us for the the biggest parade that, that comes to this area. One of the biggest parades in this country. 
at Cork and Carey, and then throughout the season, make your way down to 33rd and Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark. Cork and Carey at the park, the official sponsors of Sox in the Basement, and the games are going to be moving quicker. So, you you know, I would suggest with all this extra time that's getting taken off with, with the game clocks, and we're seeing it, it's over like, it's almost a half hour shorter these games right now in spring at this point compared to last year. You know, you don't need to rush out of the parking lot anymore. Post game at the Cork is going to be lit. It's part of your ballpark experience. See more at CorkandCarry.com. I'm changing my stance on the WBC to I don't want anybody there except for Yoan Moncada right now. <laughs> I'm done it's not, now. Not a radical departure from your prior stance, but no, yeah, I, I, I was I, mean, I was fine with the players going. It didn't really bother me because I was like, well, you know, I let them go play. Pitchers, I worry about because you're putting you're putting innings on those arms, and, and you watch that as the season goes on, where all of a sudden a guy isn't available for a couple of starts. Like, you know, we always work worry about injuries with players, right? Because we've been snake bit so many times as as White Sox fans, but. The vast majority of players in the WBC are going to go play and come back and be fine. And so I, I don't normally worry about position players, but now I'm watching what's going on in camp and I'm seeing, you know, Pedro Griffo sitting there telling people like, yeah, I'm looking at everything from a seven to 10 day period. And I'm not even looking at the end of spring training right now. And he goes and he has a team meeting and he goes, okay, this stuff you guys have been doing, we're going to knock that off. We're going to focus on fundamentals. We're going to do this thing here. We're going to do this thing here. Go. And, and trying to get that reaction out of them and trying to teach them his way, this new White Sox way. And I don't know how much stock I put into it because, you know, whenever I hear that kind of stuff, I go, okay, well, let's let's see it happen on the field. Let's see it in the regular season. Let's see if there's really a change that this team, like, philosophically just plays different and plays smarter baseball and how much impact can a manager really have. But the thing is, how much how much impact can he have when he doesn't have all the guys in camp that need to work on some of the stuff he's talking about that are going to make smart plays. Because at the same time that I'm hearing him talk about, you know, smart play and what we want to do and how we're going to do things, I'm watching a WBC highlight of Luis Robert making a terrible base running gaffe. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, so I'm sitting there going, man, he needs to be in camp. So his, his manager will yell at him for that. Well, and you ask, where can a manager make a difference? And you can't confuse the impact managers have on wins and losses directly by the decisions that they make in game versus what they do and how they get their guys to play. Right. And that was, that was one of the things that we were looking at last year with, with Tony was, was he trying to go back to an Oakland days offense of high on base, have guys hit singles, keep the line moving type of thing and taking the bat out of the hands of the power hitters and not really doing the 2022 version of Major League Baseball. With Grafal trying to get them to make fundamentally sound decisions and when he wants them to run and under what circumstances he wants them to take an extra base and you know hitting the cutoff guy and positioning and all that stuff, that he does have an impact on because he's got to basically set the expectations for the players, whether or not they actually follow him is another story, but he at least has to be able to set the expectations. And you're right. If they're away from the team, he's not in their ear saying, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to go after a ball like that in the outfield. I'd rather you just play it off the wall. I don't want you to take an extra base in this situation. I'd rather you just take the single. I don't want you to steal here. Okay. This is not a situation in which you have the green light. All of those things are true. Uh, this article, Chris Towers wrote this at uh, CBS Sports. It, it, it focuses on fantasy baseball, but I always love reading these because they're all talking about, 
you know, evaluating a player and trying to figure out like what's his track for this year. And they made a list of like 10 Major League Baseball players to watch in the WBC and see what they're going to do because it might tell you whether or not it's going to be the same as last year or if it's going to change. Now, he starts off talking about Robert saying the biggest issue for Robert in his career has been health. So we primarily just want to see him get through this unscathed. However, we'd also like to see him driving the ball in the air consistently after his launch angle dropped to a career low 10 degrees last season. Robert still made plenty of contact and hit the ball hard, but it was too often on the ground. We want doubles and homers, not singles. And that's what they're looking for from Luis Robert in the WBC. How much of that do you think is because of the fact that he was swinging with one arm for part of the year and trying to go out there and play when he was probably injured? I think it's got something to do with it, obviously. You're not going to have the same swing when you're only swinging with one arm. And, and I think launch angle is probably one of those things that when you're hurt is going to suffer because it takes control with your hands to be able to really command the bat that way, right? And I think the other thing, too, besides the injury, was also this idea that uh, you know they were all trying to be more conscientious about hitting the ball hard and getting on versus trying to you know trying to hit home runs and and yeah it's not wrong I mean nothing he said there is wrong right no but I think that a lot of the approach last year could have been on the way the team was trying I mean it was an overreaction to what happened in the postseason against the Astros right the idea that we were going to change our hitting philosophy and how we were going to do things and I think it it, it made things even worse than the injuries cause things to go bad for this team. So yeah, I'm, my number one thing is just be healthy, but I want him in, I want him in camp so that his manager can undo some of the ridiculousness that was placed upon him last year. And that's what worries me. I worry about Tim Anderson getting used to Elvis Andrus in the exchange between second and short because now he's at the WBC. And we got a guy who's never played second base who's got to get used to that, and the guy who's going to be his partner for the majority of games this year isn't in camp with him. Those are the things that concern me, and that's why I'm completely, totally anti-WBC at this point. Like, I like I want them all back. I see Aloya Menes in right field. I'm like, get him back here right now. Wrap him in bubble wrap and ship him back. Saxon Basement listeners, if you're looking for new exterior windows, doors, patio doors, storm doors, there's only one place to go. It's Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest. No high-pressure sales. Nobody's showing up, sitting in your living room, sitting at your table, putting their feet up on the couch. None of that is happening. They're not bringing in a bunch of rickety old doors they've walked into everybody else's home that really aren't representative of what you're going to have in your home. you got to imagine everything and look through a catalog, and then they don't want to leave because they're like, come on, if you sign today, you're going to get a couple couple percentage points off. None of that stuff. Forget it. They're going to give you a great price. They're going to have you come to their Superstore location. You're going to look at everything in person, full size. That's how they have it set up. Owners are in the showroom. They're on site. They don't farm out the work. It's all of their employees. So they are with you from the beginning to the end. They've done that for 40 years. Been in Oak Forest since 1985, and all major brands are custom made with no stock items. That way you get a perfect fit. Stop in and see the window and door superstore of Oak Forest. Make it your first stop when you're thinking about making these additions, these improvements on your home. They're a half block east of 159th and Ridgeland at 6280 159th Street. Learn more at windowdooroakforest.com. 
NFL.com. I was looking at Pedro Griffel's lineups for the last couple of weeks down in spring training. Why do you think I was doing that, Ed? Because that seems like a crazy thing to do at this point in spring training. Well, I would say crippling boredom, but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess you probably noticed a pattern developing. I did. And and the reason that I went to look was because he made a comment recently that Andrew Benintendi in the three spot was by design and was not a mistake. What, which was an interesting comment because what manager is going to sit there and go, wait, where did I hit him? Oh, <laughs> hey, 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 did, did nobody, I didn't want him. Oh, all right, that was a mistake. We assumed him in the two spot because that's where he's played the majority of his career. And we're like, that, that makes sense. He's going to play there. He's going to be really good. A lot of teams put, you know, better hitters in the two spot. But I mean, Benintendi's been there for a while. What he's doing, though, is he's putting him in the three spot. So I was like, okay, let's go back and see how often has he actually used him in the three spot. And then just by looking at that, I saw other patterns. I, I'll start on February the 27th. Tim Anderson's leading off. Benintendi's in the three spot. Your two spot is Luis Robert in between the two of them. Aloya Menace is four with Moncada, Vaughn, and Grandal going five, six, seven. The 28th, he does the same thing. Anderson, Robert, but now he's, he's resting Benintendi. So Yohan Moncada goes in that slot. Aloy Jimenez is batting in the four spot. What he's doing is there's set spots as I flip through. The one spot's always TA until he leaves for the WBC. Right. If Andrew Benintendi is playing, it's always Benintendi in the three spot. If Aloy Jimenez is playing, he's always in the four spot. And if Luis Robert is playing, he's always in the two spot. You're one, two, three, and four, Anderson, Robert, Benintendi, and Jimenez. They have not at least when I look back, let's say starting on the 27th, I started there. Okay. I figured a couple days, let everybody get used to things. And then I just started going through lineups. When those guys are in the lineup, they're always in that position. Those are their set spots. I think it's very obvious as I go through it. Like he might, when, when somebody leaves, right? So when, when, when Robert left, then he starts playing with the two spot. Andrus has been in there. Vaughn's been in there. You know, I think Oscar Colas was in there once. When Anderson leaves, he plays with the one spot. I've seen Colas up at the top a couple of times. He's giving up a bunch of at-bats. He's like, here, here you go, young man. Get up there and let's just get you at the plate as many times as possible. I want to see what you're doing. You know, when Jimenez left, now he plays around in the four spot. Okay, I think I've seen Jake Berger slide in there a couple of times. Right. And 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 so Benintendi isn't going anywhere. So he's just sitting in the three happily. But those top four spots, that's the lineup. And so what I you know, I, I know Tim Anderson makes sense in the one spot. I'm not even going to go through where he's at in the one. I think we've done that before. And that's where he's going to be. Luis Robert. This guy's like the key to this season in his career and at 56 games. That he's played about 243 plate appearances, 304 with an 872 OPS in the two spot. I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's good. Ben Intendi was interesting because even though he's played in the two spot for most of his life in the batting order, 306 games with 1,371 plate appearances in the two spot. He's done 94 games with 394 in the three spot. And it's one of the best places. In fact, it, I would argue it's the best place that he hits in any lineup for his career. An 811 OPS and a 293 average. Aloy Menez is the most intriguing one, though. And this is why the back end of the lineup, whoever goes five, is going to mean so much. Because Aloy, his best spot is has been in a very small sample size. I think it's 94 plate appearances. He killed it when he batted in the third spot. So far in his career, 
When he bats in the four spot, he goes down a little bit. He goes from like 367 in the three spot to 263. But his OPS stays at about 807. He gets even worse in the five spot. Average goes down, the OPS goes down. Why is that? Because as you go down the lineup, you have less protection. Aloy Jimenez needs protection. He should have a monster year this year, but whoever's in the five spot may be one of the biggest decisions that has to be made. And looking at the lineups, he still hasn't figured out exactly who that is, Ed. And that's probably what he's doing right now, right? He's probably looking at Andrew Vaughn going, does he fit there? He's probably thinking about Yasmani Grandal. Does he fit there? He's probably thinking about Oscar Colas, quite frankly, and looking at what he's doing and how much contact he's making and wondering if that's the guy that follows up Aloy Jimenez and gives him the protection. Nah, he's but he hasn't tried him yet there. So I don't, well, I don't I, think I, he's I'm not talking yet. about where he's putting him in the lineup. Don't read too much into that, especially with all these guys gone. He's just getting at bats, okay, and looking at their approach at the plate. Right now, with half the team off of the WBC, he's not going to bat Oscar Colas fifth with – you know, a bunch of guys, Adam Hazley and Jake Marisnik in front of him, right? Because it's not going to do anything necessarily to change his approach because he's not going to have guys on base if Billy Hamilton's in front of him because Billy Hamilton's hitting 100 and has, you know, basically been on base three times the entire spring so far. So I think what he's doing is he's probably looking at these guys, looking at whether or not they're making a taking a good approach, making good contact. And because what are you looking for behind Aloy Jimenez? Do you give a crap how many home runs the guy hits? Or are you looking to see, is this a guy that a pitcher is going to look at and go, if I put one more guy on, okay, if I put the fourth hitter on, which now has two or three guys on base in this inning, if I put one more guy on, can I afford to mess to monkey around with the fifth place hitter because he's likely to get a hit or he's likely to take a walk or he's going to give me a really tough at bat? Because that's where Vaughn or Colas would come into play. And this look at the options to sit behind Aloya Metas in the five spot is brought to you this week by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, and explore at lamontdowntown.com. Before Moncada leaves, he's getting a tryout sitting behind Jimenez, I can see. After he leaves, Grandal is almost exclusively sitting behind him. If he's playing, he's sitting in the five spot. And I've also seen him try out Andrew Vaughn there. So the the question, I, I think those are the three choices he's trying to pick from. Just gut feeling. Who do you think should be sitting behind him? I think is you're looking at with Yasmani Grandal, you're looking at his body of work in the past, and you're looking at him as a guy that has always given a good at bat. Okay, so I, that's where he comes into play. I think with Vaughn, what you're looking at is you're looking at a guy who is a rising hitter in this lineup and a guy that you're looking at as someone who's going to take the next step and become another tough at bat and another tough out. I don't think you're necessarily worried with Vaughn and, and Aloya Menes being back-to-back right-handed hitters necessarily. I, I, you know, will be to the lefty who has to face those two, but I don't think that that's going to be as big of a concern. I think probably you're looking at what I was talking about earlier, the idea that who's going to give you a tough at bat. Now, if you look at where Vaughn has had his success, it's not really been batting fifth or sixth. It's been lower, just like Moncada. When he's it's batting seventh, it's like, like his, yeah, seventh has been his best thing. 
168 plate appearances, hitting 283, 866 OPS. You move him up just to the sixth spot, he's hitting 234 with a 678 OPS. The, the, you, you put him in towards the middle right now, he pretty much reacts the same way as Moncada. Like, I mean, that's why I would lean towards Grandal, because I would just sit there and say, switch hitter, if he's healthy, if he's playing well, you know, he's a guy who's a veteran who is, if he, if he gets going this year, should make at least a pitcher thing twice. Uh, because that's what you need. You need something protecting Aloy Jimenez. Because I think when you look at him and where he's placed in different lineups, when you don't have somebody behind him that's any kind of a threat, they're going to pitch around him, and he he sees a drop in his production. So I mean, like that's the guy I'm leaning towards. And I think it's Grandal, and I think the dark horse is Oscar Colas. And here's why. Why? But you you don't like Colas because you said he's going to strike out all the time. But I here's here's why I think Colas is a dark horse there. Because he, if he shows in spring here that he can be dangerous enough, uh, even with the strikeouts, I think he, he's a guy that could occupy that spot with the idea that Yasmani Grandal helps protect him as well. Okay, I really do think it's probably more Yaz when he's in there is batting fifth, protecting Aloy Jimenez, and then you've got Colas being protected by Vaughn and uh, Mancada with Elvis Andrews hitting ninth. I think what would happen when Yaz is not playing and it's Sebi Zavala because Zavala does not belong in that slot. I think that's where you're going to have the struggles that are on the days when Yaz isn't playing because either Vaughn is going to have to level up and take over that dangerous bat position that we think he can still morph into, or Mancada is going to have to have his head on right and be a guy who's taking a better approach. Because otherwise, I think you're going to have you know a situation there where Colos maybe has to come up because he is considered just to be the most dangerous. And even with the strikeouts, I don't know that it's necessarily a given that you're not going to have a strikeout issue from Yasmani Grandal at this point in his career, or that you know you're not going to have a strikeout issue from Yon Moncada who or Andrew Vaughn who aren't exactly like guys that never, ever K. Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. So with all the questions from 5, 6, 7, and 8 in the lineup, it really becomes important that Tim Anderson is Tim Anderson this year. It's really important that Luis Robert becomes the star that he's supposed to be. It's really important that, you know, Andrew Benintendi just continues to be what Andrew Benintendi is. In fact, you know, for a guy who wasn't on the team last year, I'm like most confident in him. Like, plug him in a three spot, look at his career numbers, I'm good. Like, just do it, Andrew. Like, I mean, like, because I don't have any White Sox angst on him. 
right? I don't, I don't sit around and go, oh, man, these are Ben Attendee's flaws. Because I don't really know his flaws as much because I don't watch him on a regular basis. Like, I've watched these guys over the last couple of years. And then and then Aloy Jimenez, you know, there's a lot of people, like, projecting him to have a monster year this year. You can look at, like, national project- projections in the fantasy baseball world. They've got him really high amongst all outfielders in baseball. They really do, When they're yeah. projecting them out. Like, he's going to have, I mean, like, I've seen suggestions of 40 home run season. 40 home run season and an average near 300. Like, like, like the way that they've kind of looked at things like, well, when he was healthy and when he's in a groove and when you see him without any kind of problems, this is what he does. And if you get a full season from this, you're going to I see these pie in the sky numbers from him, but it does matter who's sitting behind him. So I think one of the questions is who sits behind him. And the other thing is, will those guys in the top four be as advertised and what's expected? Because you know what? If they're not, it doesn't matter how they slot five, six, seven, eight. It has, it has no bearing on it because if, if those guys aren't consistent and healthy and driving the lineup, it'll be a long season. Well, you, you want to talk about White Sox staying on a guy? I'm sitting here bagging on Andrew Vaughn's strikeout rate. It was 17.3% last year, which is well <laughs> below the league average of 22.8%. So that, that's how much White Sox angst we have on guys is that, is that you sit here and I can talk myself into Andrew Vaughn is going to have strikeout problems on par with Oscar Colas, a rookie. That's not even, there's not even stats to back that up. There was like no basis in what you said. <laughs> right. But I think it's a valid thing, though, to sit there and say that Aloy Jimenez at at the four spot does need five and six to at least be dangerous enough that a pitcher is not just going to walk him, pitch around him, and then get him to do something which I think he will start to do, which is chase to try and get something done. <laughs> That music means it's time to nerd out with the Sox nerd. Dave Marin is up in the scoreboard. Not in the scoreboard. He's like in another part of the stadium, but he's putting really cool stuff up on the scoreboard at the rate. He's going to be out there again. Uh, he was delayed. He normally has been on on the on the Tuesday release of Sox in the Basement, but you had to go get your ID, right? Yeah, had to take care of a little paperwork, and it all worked out. So even the staff over at the stadium now getting ready for a new season, which I think is going to be oh, yeah. pretty good. And, I, and I'm excited. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I, I I said it on this show. Elvis Andrus is not the first choice in free agency that you want, but there's a lot of upside to things he can bring to the team. And right now he's, he's kind of making you excited with his glove and the fact that he seems to be a pretty steady voice coming out of that locker room. He's going to be at second base starting most games, and we've been moving around the horn and checking out different positions with Sox Nerd each and every week, and Dave here has second base ready to break down on Sox in the Basement today. So go ahead and take it away, my friend. Chris, do you remember Micah Johnson? Yes. Why the heck am I talking about Micah Johnson? Well, Micah was the last, Sox player to play his first big league game at second base on opening day. And that happened in 2015. And it appears that's what's going to happen with Elvis this opening day. You know, as you said, everyone's happy to have Elvis back, but let's not forget he emerged from 2022, having played all of his 1,914 games at shortstop. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, Dick Allen, Reed Nichols, and Mike Huff have played more Sox games at second base than Elvis. Elvis's only appearance as a pro at a position other than shortstop was one game covering two innings at second base for the Braves' rookie league team in 2005. 
one game in center field in the Venezuelan Winter League, and one game in right field also in the Venezuelan Winter League. That transition will be one of the most interesting storylines to watch early in the season. Hopefully, Chris, Elvis lasts longer than Micah Johnson, whose Sox career was all of 36 games in 2015. You know, last week we nerded out by talking about the stability the Sox have had at first base on opening day. And I stumped you with Greg Norton. Do you remember that? I remember it. That ain't the case at second base. Unless the White Sox reacquire Josh Harrison and start him on March 30th in Houston, this will mark the 11th year in a row the Sox have started the season with a different player at second base. Do you want to take a crack at who the last (laughs) Sox player was to start consecutive opening days at second base. Oh man, it's got. I mean, like, what? What is it? That's like around twenty. That's it's, it's 2012, 2011, yeah. 2012? 2012, 2013. Gordon Beckham. It was Gordon Beckham. So since Beckham repeated as the Sox opening day uh, second baseman, Marcus Simeon, Micah Johnson, Brett Laurie, Tyler Saladino, Yoan Mancata, Yomer Sanchez, Larry Garcia. Nick Madrigal and Harrison have all started at second base on opening day for the Sox. And if you are wondering if 11 opening day second basemen in 11 years will be a Sox record, the answer is yes. There have been other positions that have had more consecutive years with different starters, but some of those players have repeated in those years. The closest position with no repeat, it's first base with 10 from 1908 to 1917. So there it is, Chris. Not a lot of continuity at second base. No, I, I think it's pretty obvious that the current front office could care less who's out at second base. It's like the afterthought <laughs> of the team, isn't it? By the way, nerding out with the Sox nerd Dave Marin brought to you by the law offices of Parente and Norm. When you've been injured, you need a team that will do what it takes to fight for your rights. The insurance companies only care about one thing, the bottom line. They have a team with experience, dedication, proven results it takes to get you to care and compensation you deserve. And they've recovered Nearly a half a billion dollars for injured clients and their loved ones. Free case evaluation. Call or text them today, 312-641-5926, or visit pninjurylaw.com. Chris, here's my zinger. Wait, you got a zinger? Okay, here's the deal. If you surprise me, if you shock me, if you blow my socks off, which I'm sure you're going to do, first beers on me, Cork and Carry, Southside Irish Parade. Go. Uh, With Elvis Andrews probably starting fresh at second base on opening day, I found a few other recent examples of veteran Sox players starting at a completely new position on opening day. They are Diane Viciato in left field in 2012, Jose Valentin in center field in 2001, and Kenny Williams at third base in 1989. Ken Williams at third base in 1989. What a mess of a team. And now I owe you a pint. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.